With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Did you know that Black and White Sports is the largest independently owned conservative sports brand in the world? We have over 125,000 subscribers on YouTube and over 39 million views. Our episodes get more views than most ESPN programming every single day. And now we have exploded on podcast. We brought our episodes to podcast for you to enjoy at work, school, in the car, on the beach, wherever you choose to consume our audio. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Radio Public, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Breaker. Subscribe now. Also, you can help sponsor the podcast for as little as 99 cents per month. The link is in the description on with the show. Let's talk about today's sponsor, Javi Coffee. Javi Coffee is the way I love to start off my morning. I work very, very hard for you guys to put out the best content possible. And I get my energy from Javi Coffee. Would you like to have that same energy that I have every single morning? Well, you should try Javi Coffee. And for you guys, you can actually get three bottles of Javi Coffee for only $16.95 per unit. Each bottle contains 30 servings. It will save you so much money from going to your local coffee shop. And by the way, folks, it actually tastes even better. You can use sugar. You can use monk fruit. I'm a low carb person. I don't like the carbs. This is keto friendly. And guys, it is super easy to make. Just put water in your cup. Add one teaspoon or two teaspoons of Javi coffee. Mix it up. Use whipped cream, sugar, monk fruit, whatever. And folks, it tastes absolutely amazing. So check out the link in the description or the pinned comment and get Javi coffee delivered to you today. Friends, let's face it. The future of America is looking worse each day. Those who are observant have the feeling that something really bad is going to happen soon. If it does, are you prepared? Do you have enough food, water, and other essentials to get you through tough times? If not, check out My Patriot Supply. They're the nation's number one preparedness company, and they've served millions of American families. Right now, you can save 25% off their popular four-week emergency food kit, which will keep you well-fed with four weeks worth of breakfast, lunch, dinner, drinks, and snacks. Totaling over 2,000 calories a day. This food stays fresh for up to 25 years in proper storage, so it will be there when you need it. In fact, you may need it a lot sooner than that. So don't wait. Go to preparewithblackandwhite.com and claim your four-week emergency food kit. You'll save 25% if you act now. That's preparewithblackandwhite.com. Don't wait. Do it today. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. 
The main event starts now. All right, guys, we're going to be talking about Naomi Osaka once again, because I put up a video yesterday where she was actually in Cincinnati doing a tune-up tournament for the U.S. Open. And the question came up, how do you actually say that you don't enjoy talking to the media, but yet you use the media at the same time to further your endeavors? And that's not the exact words, but uh, that is a summary of what the question was. And the media ran with the notion that this journalist that was asking her the question was bullying her. This is completely ridiculous, folks. It wasn't he wasn't bullying her whatsoever. And we're actually going to listen to the clip here. It's about a three minute clip. It's kind of lengthy here. But however, ESPN Stephen A. Smith has come out and he has defended the journalist for asking the question. He saw nothing wrong with the question whatsoever. But of course, you know, the world sports media, they want to run with this. Now, Stephen A. Smith, he's a part of the world sports media. Make no mistake about it. However, when he's not race baiting, he can be on point and make a uh, good analysis on things. This is one of the good times. So let's jump into this. Stephen A. Smith defends journalists accused of bullying Naomi Osaka. I thought the reporter was incredibly fair. Now, if you listen to the mainstream media, they're going to say that he was a bully and that um, he was talking down to Naomi Osaka. But let's check out this clip here, guys. And then we're going to go and uh, listen to uh, and I'm read you what uh, Stephen A. Smith actually had to say. So with that being said, guys, let's do this. So if you could repeat that, that'd be awesome. And also he had already asked the question once and she was kind of trying to tap dance around it a little bit, didn't want to answer it. But and then. The person uh, conducting the interviews like, uh, do you want to move on, Naomi? And she actually says she wants to answer the question. But check this out. He asked the question again and he was being completely fair. So here we go. Um. Uh, the question was that you're not especially fond of, uh, of dealing with the media, especially in this format. You have suggested there are better ways to do it, that, that we'd like to try to explore that. Uh, my, my question, I guess, was you also have uh, outside interests beyond tennis that, that are served by having uh, the, the platform that the media presents to you. My, uh, my question is, how, how are you able, how do you think you might be able to best balance the two? Remember, she was on the cover of SI in the uh, swimsuit when she was actually supposed to be uh, working on a mental health. Remember that? For me, I feel like this is something that I can't, I can't really speak for everybody. I can only speak for myself. But ever since I was younger, I've had a lot of media interest on me. And I think it's because of my background as well as, you know, how I play. Um, well, you're going to have media interest in you because you won Grand Slam tournaments. So the media is going to be around you asking you questions. Because in the first place, I'm a tennis player. That's why a lot of people are interested in me. So I would say in that regards, I'm quite different to a lot of people. And I can't really help that there are some things that I tweet or some things that I say that um, 
kind of create a lot of news articles or things like that. And I know that it's because I've won a couple Grand Slams um, and I've gotten to do a lot of press conferences that these things happen. Um, but I would also say, like, I, I'm not really sure how to balance the two. Like, I'm figuring it out at the same time as you are, I would say. Thank okay. You. Thank you, Paul. We've got, we're going to do four more questions or four more. And this is where she's about to break down. More journalists. We're going to go Courtney, Jeff, Stuart, and then Ben Rothenberg. So, Courtney, please go ahead and state your name and publication, please. Thank you. Yeah. See, she's starting to get emotional here. Uh, Courtney Nguyen, WTA Insider. Uh, hello, Naomi. Hopefully it's okay if I ask a couple of tennis questions. Um, the first... You see... That now they want to be really, really give her a softball question. May I ask you this question? You had a press conference. Ask the question. Which one is just uh, uh, how the training has been and how your preparation has been for the for the summer hard court swing? And the second one is just related to your tweet over the weekend, uh, related to what's going on in Haiti, um, and uh, and yeah, um, just what your reaction is to the news there. Thank you. Um, Sorry. No, you're super good. <sighs> okay, I think we're just going to take a quick break. Just uh, we'll be back in one moment. Okay, so that's it right there. You guys can hear it. The guy was being completely fair. Now, her agent also came out and blasted. Uh, Paul Doherty, that's the guy that asked the question, blasted him for basically bullying uh, Naomi Osaka. Stephen A. Smith defended the guy. This is what Stephen A. Smith said. He said, quote, my issue is with the agent. He is so off base with what he said. I can't say it enough. I don't know the reporter at the Cincinnati Inquirer talking about Paul Doherty. Maybe he came there with a reputation that precedes him and they knew about it. Maybe that's what it is. We don't know. And yeah, the the agent was completely way off base trying to blast this reporter here. I don't know the reporter myself. I just listened to it just like you guys did. And he wasn't bullying her. He asked a fair question. He really did. So I don't know why. I don't know why, you know, the media is doing this. They're trying to demonize this guy everywhere you look. But it says here, quote, based off that press conference, I thought the reporter was incredibly fair and incredibly delicate with how he asked the question. Then the moderator said, would you like to move on? And Naomi Osaka said no. To her credit, she wanted to ask, ask, answer the question. Smith explained, I'm trying to figure out what the reporter did wrong. I didn't see that. And for the agent to come out with a statement basically accusing a journal journalist of bullying her. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? If you are a journalist and that is what we classify as bullying, then as a journalist, you get to go up there. And the only thing you can say is, what would you like to talk about to anybody? Smith continued. Yeah, he's right on the money of this. This is completely ridiculous here. Um, it says here after the criticism from Osaka's agent, Doherty tweeted that he, quote, Never bullied anyone in my entire life. Close quote. 
He's right on the money right there. And Stephen A. Smith has come out and defended this uh, journalist here, Paul Doherty. And we come hard at Stephen A. Smith, but we're going to be fair because Stephen A. Smith was right to defend the question. There was nothing wrong with what he asked. This is the media overacting. We know that Naomi Osaka is very, very sensitive. You know, uh, she doesn't actually want to follow rules when she has to fulfill her media obligations. And now you saw how how uh, pretty much the media was treating her like she was a baby. Uh, can I can I ask you this? Um, do you mind if I ask you this? And Paul Doherty was just being completely professional. So I'm glad that Stephen A. Smith actually defended this guy. Where, whereas the agent and other people in the media, they're crucifying him. I mean, we have gotten so soft. These athletes today are so completely soft. It's ridiculous. But that's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans. I got to give credit to Stephen A. Smith. Now, I'm pretty sure in the next video we do about do about him, he will probably end up saying something crazy and race baiting again. And then we'll come after him. But this time, I got to give credit where credit is due. Stephen A. Smith was right on the money. Anyway, guys, let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to Black and White Sports, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into. Black and white sports on YouTube. The no holds barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rodrance for black and white sports. I've got to tell you, I'm not sure there has been any one more disappointing entity, particularly in the coaching profession, than Greg Popovich in the last, what, three or four years maybe? Uh, I used to have a lot of respect for Popovich. He seemed to have his S together, and I always thought he was akin to Bill Belichick. And boy, was I wrong. Boy, was I wrong. As we know, Greg Popovich went out there, and he turned into a complete social justice leftist lunatic. He went super woke. He's thrown the country under the bus, and of course, he threw our president under the bus and then tried to drive the bus on over on top of him and he has been out there preaching all your prototypical false narratives from the left side of the aisle social justice SJ warrior uh, SJW social justice warrior community well of course he took the reins of team USA over from coach K and uh, when he did the product took an obvious step back. Well, Greg Popovich has made some comments, and he is now actually arrogantly running his mouth about Team USA and their brave and stunning and courageous performance at the Tokyo Olympics, except it was none of the above. It was none of the above. Uh, and as with a lot of things with Coach uh, Coach Popovich, Wokovich, uh he under they underachieved, in my opinion. I know they took home the gold, but they kept a lot of teams much more competitive in the games than they should, which has sort of been his M.O. Uh, I believe it was one of the FIBA World Cups. They actually finished seventh 
a couple of years ago. Uh, and I went and looked at that team. That team was full of NBA players. Full of NBA players. There was no way that that team shouldn't have dominated. Uh, so let's get to that story. Very quickly, I am wearing our Patriotic 1776 stand-up shirt. If you hate kneeling for the National Anthem, then grab this shirt and let the athletes know it's one of our favorite shirts. It's one of our best-selling shirts. And today, you can use promo code POPSUCKS. POPSUCKS, P-O-P-S-U-X, all one word, for 22% off this shirt or any other shirt in the merch store. Let's get to this story right here. Greg Popovich has a message for critics after Team USA Gold. How the F you like us now. Boy, he certainly lacks the class of a Bill Belichick, doesn't he? Much was made of USA basketball's slow start in the Olympic preparation, which including a roster upheaval and exhibition losses to Australia and Nigeria. When the USA men lost their Olympics opener to France, the knives were out. With Greg Popovich drawing fire for the program's first Olympic loss since 2004. 2004. Guys, 17 years. One scribe went as far as to declare Popovich stinks at Olympic basketball. We'll get to that in a sec. Popovich was paying attention, of course. And after Team USA ended Olympic competition with five straight wins, that culminated with the victory over France to secure the gold medal. By the way, a victory that was pretty close, much closer in my opinion than it should have been, to a team that they had already taken an L to. Popovich had a candid message for his critics. He kept it to the confines of the locker room. But JaVale McGee, one of the team's most criticized roster additions, shared the video of his coach's post-game victory lap on Monday. To nobody's surprise, Popovich was taking notes on Team USA's critics in the media. Quote, in the beginning, people were talking about, why is he on the team? You should have taken him. What happened to him? Why is he there? Popovich said. All the pundits, all these people who think they know something. Then we start out getting our ass kicked after a couple of practices. Then it comes again. Then Popovich made a revelation that was somewhat of a surprise. And I'm not sure San Antonio Spurs fans are going to appreciate this one bit. The five-time NBA champion coach of the San Antonio Spurs revealed that the gold medal win was the best feeling he's ever had in basketball. You guys went through all the stuff, and your families were sacrificing back there the same way. Popovich continued, starting to choke up. Oh, God, Popovich is turning into a freaking beta. That's why I'm so proud to be a part of this. It's like the best basketball feeling I've ever had. Then he dropped the mic. I would like to say to all those people out there, how the F do you like us now? The moment was one of catharsis and well-earned celebration from a team that fought through adversity, challenging conditions like everyone else involved in the Tokyo Games. Team USA took its lumps, which were earned. 
and appropriately reveled when they finished on top. And Popovich, who rarely misses a jab at the media, the triumph was especially sweet. Well, some could say, maybe, considering how they played, that being a little more humble this time would probably be the best practice. Because, no, they didn't perform well. They absolutely did not. It was a disaster. In fact, one could argue that their head wasn't in the Olympic Games at all. And we, generally speaking, know why. Okay? The Team USA is full of NBA players, and we know how NBA players feel about this country right now. Last year, we sat through an entire NBA season. Well, some people did. I didn't watch. I st- I'm still not watching the NBA. We sat back and watched them put Marxist organizations all over their basketball court. Nothing could be more anti-American than that. And then, of course, he wants to be mad because not as many people are supporting Team USA these days. Well, when we don't feel like you love the country, we're probably not going to support your asses. Okay? We're not going to be the uh, big big tambourine players for you. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And let's be honest. Uh, Greg, Greg Popovich has got a Bill Belichick-like arrogance. We've seen him on the sidelines during NBA games. He's an asshole, okay? And so is Bill Belichick. But Belichick is a different kind of asshole. He's almost a charming uh, asshole that has a little bit of grace and a little bit of humbleness and a little bit of humility. He never comes across, Bill Belichick never comes across as arrogant. And if I was a Spurs fan right now, I'd be like, wow, you coached us to five NBA titles, but how quickly you decided to push those victories aside for your woke Team USA gold medal that you barely won. Again, look, Team USA should have dominated by 25, 30, and 40 points in every single game and should have swept every single game. This team, gold medal or not, underachieved far as we can tell by looking at the records of team usa over the last 30 years it looks to me like that popovich is the wink the 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 weakest link on this team usa team this coach this coach and now i'm starting to believe that the tony parkers the manu ginobili's the tim duncans the david robinson's the bruce bowens all these players that played over the years for Greg Popovich, that it was much more on them guiding these teams in in San Antonio to world titles than maybe it was Greg Popovich's coaching ability. Tell me what you think, black and white sports fans. I'm not a big fan of this Team USA. I'm not. I think they underachieved. Um, I think Kevin Durant and Draymond Green at times showed some patriotism. I'm not afraid to admit that. They acted like they might have they might actually love this country. But then again, when your league, your league that you play in for a living celebrates anti-American narratives and you don't stand up against that at any point and 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 speak out, 
I'm not really willing to give you the benefit of the doubt as being a big I love the USA person. I'm just not. Peace. I'm out. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. All right, Black and White Sports fans, we need to talk about what's actually been going on in Afghanistan because this does relate to sports, mainly talking about the Tokyo Paralympics that are actually going to be starting up here pretty soon. Now, Afghanistan was actually set to compete in these Olympics, but however now, Afghanistan has now withdrawn from the Paralympics in Tokyo. Guys, it's really sad what's actually going going on over there. It's an unmitigated disaster how everything is going down over there. The Taliban is back in charge over there. There's a whole nother story with that, but I'm going to try to keep this strictly to sports. But I don't think we can actually avoid the political aspect of all of this. But let's go over here and check out ESPN.com here. It says Tokyo 2020 Afghanistan withdraws from Paralympic Games due to travel issues amid government collapse. Now, we saw yesterday video of Afghanis actually trying to hold on to a U.S. military plane and it ended in disaster. People died. It was disturbing to watch. Absolutely disturbing to watch here. But uh, the two actual athletes that were to partake in the Olympics for Afghanistan, they couldn't get out the country. So it says here the two athletes who were set to compete for Afghanistan at the Tokyo 2020 Paralympic Games have withdrawn after they were unable to leave Kabul amid the country's turmoil. Taekwondo athlete Zakia Kudadadadi and track athlete Hassan Razuli were set to compete for Afghanistan. Kudadadadi could have been the first woman to represent the country at a Paralympic Games when they start in Tokyo next week. The Afghanistan Paralympic Committee's London-based chef de mission Arian Sadiki told Rudders on Monday that the country's two athletes would not be able to attend the Games. Both athletes were set to arrive in Tokyo on Tuesday. Quote, unfortunately, due to the current upheaval going on in Afghanistan, the team could not leave Kabul in time. Now, if you actually saw a video of um, the airport over there, it was all type of uh, citizens of Afghanistan trying to leave the country, trying to get away from the Taliban, because we know what will be coming. I feel bad for the people over there. I really, really do. Um, but obviously, these two athletes couldn't get out of there. I don't see how anybody was able to actually get out of the country. Um, it says here, U.S. forces have taken over air traffic control at Kabul Airport where five died on Monday in chaotic scenes with reports of firing in the air and a stampede. Uh, Taliban insurgents have overrun major cities and now control most of Afghanistan. The hardline Islamic movement was ousted in 2001, but has 
made sweeping military gains in recent months as foreign forces led by the United States withdrew. Uh, Kudadi Dadi was profiled on the Paralympic website last week talking about her hopes for the games. Quote, I was thrilled after I received the news that I got a wild card to compete at the games, the 23-year-old said. This is the first time that a female athlete will be representing Afghanistan at the games, and I'm so happy. Well, that's not going to happen anymore now. It's, it's unfortunate. It's pretty sad. They were the only two athletes for Afghanistan total. Uh, Sadiqi told Rudders the athletes have been trying to secure flights, but prices soared as the Taliban took over a string of cities with departure from Kabul to Tokyo now impossible. Now, of course, we knew that the uh, prices would, would go up because you had so many people just wanted to get out of there. And of course, you know, there's going to be a limited supply of flights. So therefore, prices will go up. That's just uh, simple economics right there. Uh, quote, they are really excited prior to the situation. They were training wherever they could in the parts and back gardens. Uh, quote for me, it's, mis- it's uh, heartbreaking. This would have been the first female Afghan Taekwondo player to take part. This was history in the making. She was excited to take part. She was very passionate to compete. Zakia would have been a great role model for the rest of the females in the country. Uh, Afghans, Afghan athletes first competed in the 1996 Paralympic Games, but have never won a medal. Man, this is this is sad right here, man. This is just the state of um, Afghanistan right now. Uh, the whole world is watching right now. So with this all happening in Afghanistan has withdrawn from the Tokyo Paralympics. Man, what a disaster is going on going on over there. It's just the. I could get in more detail, but I'm not going to do it here on the sports channel. I'm really not. Um, If you pick up a membership on blackandwhitenetwork.com, I have a video up there just for the members. And I go into more details than what I can actually do do here on YouTube. Uh, That's why we create the website. Membership plans just start at five dollars per month. Uh, We recommend that you go over there and do support us. Check the pinned comment for a link to the website. Anyway, guys, let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to Black and White Sports, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. All right, black and white sports fans. The Tim Tebow experience is over. As I predicted when I found out that Tim Tebow was signing a contract with the Jaguars, I said there is no way in hell that Tim Tebow will make this roster. Especially as a uh, tight end. Definitely not as a quarterback. Too much time has passed. Urban Meyer just did him a solid because he played for Urban Meyer at the University of Florida. And Tim Tebow was a great college quarterback. And he hasn't played in many years in the NFL. And for him to come in as a tight end, I said, man, this is some kind of a gimmick. This this is a some kind of a, a setup, really, to sell tickets. Now, I did, I did sell jerseys.
because people did go out and buy Tim Tebow jerseys, but I never believe he would make the roster. Now, Rhodes believed that he would, not as a tight end, but as some kind of a, I guess you can say a um, a Tebow type of package for him. Maybe Urban Meyer would do something like that. I never believed that. I believe something like that would actually harm the team. But I never believed that white privilege was the reason that Tim Tebow got this opportunity. Now, we know that Stephen A. Smith from ESPN's First Take, he said that Tim Tebow got this opportunity simply because of white privilege. It was ridiculous then, and it's ridiculous now. But however, since Tim Tebow has gotten cut, Stephen A. Smith has doubled and tripled down now that he still believes this is white privilege, even though Tim Tebow is out of the NFL. Check this out, guys. Stephen A. Smith says Tim Tebow still embodied white privilege despite getting cut from Jaguars. Black people never get, never even get the opportunity. Now, this is completely ridiculous, folks. Stephen A. Smith and all these people that want to race bait, that believe in white privilege, you know, maybe they're insecure about themselves. Any any place I actually got in life, folks, I always believe I got there from my hard work. And people like Stephen A. Smith, they want to race bait. They, they, they're just trying to keep other black people down. I believe that. I truly do believe that. The race hustlers out there, this is what they do. But um, it says here. The Tim Tebow tight end experiment is over. After one preseason game where his only highlights were blocking gaffes, the Jacksonville Jaguars announced Tebow has been released and in his comeback attempt to the NFL. When Tebow stunned the sports world earlier this year by signing with the Jaguars and his former college coach, Urban Meyer, ESPN Stephen A. Smith labeled the experiment an example of white privilege. Now that the experiment has been deemed a failure after just one preseason game, Smith still believes Tebow embodies white privilege. Quote, we're not talking about Tim Tebow. We all root for him individually as a person, as the man. What we were talking about is exactly what you just brought up, Smith said to his first take co-host, Matt Kellerman. Opportunity. People think he didn't get the job. Well, I got news for you, Matt. There's a whole bunch of black folks that never even get the opportunity. Close quote. Coaches and organizations usually wouldn't give you the opportunity because you never paid your dues by playing the position before you tried to play it at an elite level. Smith continued. And that's when issues of race and things of that nature come into the fray. Because the opportunity is what will what we illuminate. It's not even the result. It's the opportunity that's accorded to others that would never be accorded to us. Now, this is ridiculous. So he's still playing this uh, white privilege thing. Now, folks, I remember an NFL quarterback that went to prison for like almost two years, 18 months. This will be one Michael Vick. He was a quarterback and he was a quarterback that wasn't really an accurate quarterback. He was more of a running quarterback because Michael Vick ran for a thousand yards as a quarterback. 
Now, Stephen A. Smith believes that Tim Tebow got the opportunity because of white privilege. But Michael Vick had much more baggage than Tim Tebow. Now, Michael Vick, out of the league for two years. I believe a lot of people believe he was going to be a pariah and nobody wanted to touch him. Guess what? He got back into the league. Did that have anything to do with white privilege? Michael Vick signed with the Philadelphia Eagles, folks. Andy Reid gave him an opportunity, and that was backlash. Michael Vick didn't get that opportunity because he was black. It had nothing to do with his race. Andy Reid saw, all right, this guy's probably talented. I can do something with him. And maybe Urban Meyer was thinking the same thing. You know, let's see what Tim Tebow can offer us. And Tim Tebow obviously was a lone shot because he never played that position. Now, granted, Michael Vick did actually play the quarterback position, but that was a lot of baggage with him. And for Stephen A. Smith to say that black folks never get the opportunity, especially, you know, playing a new position, he is completely 100 percent wrong, folks. Now, Tim Tebow, if I'm not mistaken, he did play uh, tight end in, in high school or something like that, from what I understand. But I can name several um, black players that came into the NFL and played a different position coming from the quarterback position at that. You guys remember uh, Terrell Pryor from Ohio State? You guys remember him? He has some uh, baggage, too, with him also. He actually got an opportunity. Guess what? At wide receiver. A black man that didn't play the position in college and not in the NFL came in and played the position in the NFL. So that completely breaks the narrative that black folks never get that opportunity. Let me name a few other players there, folks. Check this out. This says top 15 NFL players who change positions. Now, this first one here, check this out. Antoine Randall L. Now, I didn't even know this, folks, but uh, check this out. It says here, the pass thrown by Antoine Randall to to seal the Steelers, Steelers victory in Super Bowl uh, was just a little too perfect for a receiver, right? That's because Randall L. was a quarterback at Indiana. After passing up a career in baseball, Randall L. set a freshman record in his first game with 467 yards from scrimmage. At the time of his graduation, he was the fifth. He was fifth in total yards from an NCAA player with 7,469 passing yards and 3,895 rushing yards. Pittsburgh drafted him in the second round in 2002 with the intent of switching him to receiver and a returner. So this man did not play the position in college. He was a quarterback. And Pittsburgh gave this black man, Stephen A. Smith, an opportunity at receiver. Wow. But black people don't get these opportunities, right? According to Stephen A. Smith. Now, Devin Hester, we know Devin Hester is one of the all time greatest. Return men in NFL history. But guys, you got to remember also. They also converted Devin Hester to. Wide receiver. You remember that with uh, Jay Cutler, a black man. He got an opportunity at a different position. And these two black men I just named were better at changing positions than Tim Tebow. Had nothing to do with the race. But since Stephen A. Smith wants to play the race card, we can play 
the race card. Herb Adderley. It says um, it must be must have been tough for Herb Adderley to accept a switch from running back to corner. So another black man got an opportunity at a different position to play. It says uh, this was at a time where offenses heavily operated heavily through the, through running the ball, meaning Adderley would have to give up a lot of glory. Adderley was drafted out of Michigan State in 1961, but due to a crowded backfield, he never had the chance to get playing time. He was inserted at corner at cornerback midseason due to injuries to Green Bay starters. He went on to be one of the greatest corners in in history and certainly in Packers history. So a black man got an opportunity at a different position that he didn't play. Remember, Stephen A. Smith says there's a whole bunch of black folks that never even get the opportunity. A complete lie. So this whole white privilege thing, as you guys can see. It's nothing but a race hustle from Stephen A. Smith and ESPN. Maybe his handlers over there want him to actually go out there and play the race car. But this needs to stop. This needs to stop because this is nothing but lies. White privilege does not exist. Okay, it does not exist in the NFL. I just named you a bunch of black players that got opportunities, other positions and actually succeeded. And Tim Tebow failed. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans. Let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to Black and White Sports. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rodrance for Black and White Sports. Well, it looks like the lead social justice warrior out there, uh, honorable mention, LaChina James, uh, the lead social justice warrior out there in all of sports is actually considering very heavily hanging up the soccer cleats and I don't know if she's undying her hair or not. Who who knows? Megan Rapino, it looks like, is seriously contemplating retiring so we can get back to our regularly scheduled regular U.S. women's soccer team Support. Yesterday we found out there was a severe fracture in the women's U.S. soccer team as we found out Megan Rapino was a bully. That's right. Hope Solo came out and threw her under the bus and said that she was pressuring players to be decisive and forcefully trying to get them to disrespect the United States of America and kneel during the national anthem, before games, etc., etc., on behalf of insert social justice cause here, that generally speaking is a bunch of crap. We know that, okay? We know that. Smart people do know that. Let's get to this story. It is from the Marxist ESPN of China. 
U.S. women's soccer team, Megan Rapinoe, needs to take some time to think about her future. Don't take any time. Just go. Just do it. Nike would say. Nike and China would say. Just do it. United States women's soccer team and O.L. Reign forward Megan Rapinoe told ESPN that she doesn't know what her playing future looks like, and she will quote need some time to think about it. Rapino, 36, was part of the U.S. squad that underachieved at the Tokyo Olympics, I added that, and won bronze, and she will return to her club in the National Women's Soccer League this week after a short break. U.S. women's teammate Carly Lloyd, 39, announced Monday that she would retire from the national team after four upcoming fall friendlies and from her club team, New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC at the end of the season. Quote, just in terms of my whole career, I really don't know yet. I need to take some time to think about it, Rapino told ESPN's Spain and Fit show. Good God, I bet that's a terrible show. Terrible show. When asked whether she would be following Lloyd into retirement. Quote, they always say, you'll know when you know. But it's not really like that because you kind of keep it going. And it's like, oh, yeah, you've accomplished so much. You'll be fine stepping away. But the conversation is always anguished in your mind. Or people just don't think about it. I've been thinking about it a lot. Rapino has remained coy about what her future might hold, saying after the Olympics that she would discuss it with her partner, five-time Olympic gold medalist and three-time WNBA title winner Sue Bird. Lloyd, on the other hand, has hinted at retirement. After the Olympics, she bowed out of the game as the second-most-capped player in world soccer history with 312 appearances during her career with the U.S. national team. She won two World Cups and two Olympic gold medals. Quote, I feel like people just think, Play as long as you can, and that's amazing. You want to play forever, but it's actually no. It's really hard to do that, Rapino said of Lloyd. There are so few athletes who play to her age or as long as she has. It's just not about staying healthy and being physically, be, to be able physically to be there, which is difficult in itself. It's about continually growing, making sure your game is evolving, For me, it's the fact that she ended her career with incredible brace in a medal match at the Olympics. Just says it all. That's sort of the person Carly was, a productive as ever. She has had so many appearances, so many goals, so many memorable goals. It's all good and well to score five goals against a team that really really doesn't matter. But I think Aaron Heffritz, our media relations guy, said every medal match Carly played in she scored a goal. That's great. She's unbelievable, showing her biggest moments. What you want to do, what you want from your biggest players. Okay, so anyway, uh, it should be note noted. Carly Lloyd is, I think, one of the only players on the U.S. women's team that actually did stand, did stand before the matches and for the national anthem at the Olympics. So Carly should be commended for that. As as for Megan Rapinoe, much like LeBron James, their sports have taken a massive hit, basketball and soccer, 
because of their social justice campaigns, because of attacking the president. That was a big one. And, you know, look, she's had a ton of fallout. Subway franchisees want her gone because customers have quit going to Subway because of Megan Rapinoe and her anti-American sentiment. We're tired of these people in sports. The fact is, uh, so many sports cannot recover and move on as long as Megan Rapinoe and LeBron James are still involved. The NBA is screwed until LeBron James is gone, until Adam Silver is gone. And just like with soccer, Megan Rapinoe, we're sick of her. We can't stand looking at her. We certainly cannot stand to hear her run her mouth. If she retires, it will be a massive win for the United States women's soccer team. Good riddance, Megan Rapinoe. Absolutely, please quit. Now that we found out you're on top of everything else, a repugnant bully. Ridiculous. We have no need for these people in our sports whatsoever. Stick your politics up your ass. Tell me what you think, black and white sports fans. Megan Rapino may hang up the pu- purple-colored, pink-haired cleats. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rodriguez for Black and White Live. Well, there's times in which Mr. Matrix will throw a story out to me knowing damn good and well that it involves one of my favorite players, somebody that he knows, that I co-sign on, and this is one of those times when he threw me a story involving the great one, Brett Favre. That's right. Brett Favre, for full disclosure, is my second favorite player of all time. Uh, In case anybody needs a trip down memory lane, 71,838 yards. Wow. 508 touchdowns. And he threw 4,000 yards. One, two, three, four, five, six times. He threw 30 or more touchdowns. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times, including at age 40. A 68% completion percentage, 4,200 yards, and 33 touchdowns, 11 times Pro Bowl, 3 times All-Pro, 3 times Most Valuable Player, Super Bowl Champion, and 1 Gold Jacket. And I love the fact that when it came to retirement, Brett Favre didn't give a damn who he was pissing off. He decided, I will retire when I feel like I am good and ready to retire. Well, guess what? Brett went on CNN. He went into the mouth of madness to talk about CTE and the fact that he believes that children should be of a certain age before they start playing tackle football. Brett had a million concussions. He did. Uh, I don't know that I can remember a player that played harder 
love the game more, maybe outside of Tom Brady. Tom Brady loves the game. Brett Favre loved the game. The memories of the uh, Monday night football game, the day his father passed away against the Oakland Raiders, and he went out, he played, and threw four touchdowns, is still one of the greatest sports feats I have ever seen. Well, they had him on, and he pushed CNN back over the jab. Brett Favre is fearless. By the way, he has kept himself in phenomenal shape, too. Brett Favre defends NFL players' vaccine hesitancy on CNN. We're the human trials. (laughs) He does not care who he offends. Joining CNN to preach the scientific dangers of tackle football among kids 14 and under, Brett Favre was asked about the importance of NFL players getting vaccinated against COVID-19. While Farr believes in science when it comes to the need for concussion prevention, the former NFL MVP seems less confident in the science that built the COVID-19 vaccines. CNN anchor at this hour, Kate Boudin, Boudin, for real, asked Farr about the struggle with getting everyone in the NFL to trust the vaccine. He said there is a great deal of uncertainty. You hear one thing one day, you hear something that's totally different the next. Let's be honest, that has totally happened. And this is from experts, experts on both sides of the argument. The vaccine has been administered within the last six to eight months. It didn't go through a 20 or 30 year human trial or study that the FDA requires. By the way, I did go look that up. That does seem like it's a little long. It's 10 to 12 years. But still, you're talking about six months versus 10 to 12 years. YouTube, don't come down on me for that. On Monday, the Atlanta Falcons announced that they were the first NFL team to reach 100% vaccination rate. We did a video on that. Still, there are high-profile football players such as Kirk Cousins and Lamar Jackson who remain hesitant about getting the jab. Quote, we're sort of the human trials, if you will. And I think some people are frightened by that and the conflicting info that we're all getting. Favre added from his home in Mississippi, a state with the lowest vaccination rate in the country, with just over 35%. Asked if he's been vaccinated, and I love this, Favre chose to evade the question. I'd rather not say one way or another. It's not my place to say get the vaccine or don't get the vaccine. I think that's a matter of choice. That's a matter of choice by all individuals, and that's why we live in America. I could not agree more 127% with Mr. Favre on that statement. You've heard us say it on this channel. If you want to get vaccinated, that's your business. If you don't want to get vaccinated, that is also your business. We are not medical professionals, and you need to consult with your own uh, medical professionals to determine what's best for you. I sound like I am a damn condom commercial or some uh, miscellaneous uh, anti-acid. If you are concerned about it, go to a professional who has studied that field. Favre continued, not just a medical doctor, someone who knows a lot of information. Do your due diligence and then make your decision. Favre was interrupted from commenting further any further by Chris 
Nowinski, a former wrestler who co-founded Boston University CTE. With the NFL reporting more than 90% of the players have been vaccinated, multiple teams have done exactly what Favre suggested and have brought in experts. And then they, they go on to talk about the thing we talked about yesterday involving Ron Rivera. You know what I like the most about this? It's not so much all the all all the real specific stuff that Favre had to say. It was the fact that he looked right at CNN and said, basically, it's none of your business whether I'm vaccinated or not. That is my favorite takeaway from all of that. I think there's things in there that he said I think a lot of us agree with. For the sake of YouTube, I won't point out those specifics because we know how that goes. However, however, I love the fact that he pushed back and he said all of us as Americans have our right to make our own decisions when it comes to the jab. Personally, we've talked about the fact we don't agree with sports organizations. We don't agree with employers forcing that mandate on anybody. It should be up to the person, the individual, to consult with whoever they feel they need to consult with. That's the right as an American. And then decide and make a decision around that. What's best for you? Okay? And, of course, you know CNN is having kittens because it is amazing. We've talked about it. It is amazing how many people believe it is their God-given right to know whether or not you are vaccinated. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Um, I would go down to the bitter end, uh, not disclosing that to anybody outside of my family and my close personal friends if I decide to tell them. Okay? So, I understand where Brett Favre's coming from. I love Brett Favre. I, I love the fact that, frankly... Brett's not afraid to piss you off. He's not. He never has been. I'm just a big fan of good old country boys, too. From Texas, we know a lot of Brett Favre's, and they're tougher than nails. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rodrance for Black and White Live. Well, we knew this would happen. It seems that the first NFL team that in the race to virtue signal and get to a 100% vaccination rate has made it, has won. The Atlanta Falcons wins that honor. It's the first thing they've won in a long time. I think Tom Brady is still coming back on their ass right now. <laughs> and for full disclosure, I'm a huge Matt Ryan fan. I, I actually am a, a big Matt Ryan fan. Uh, I think he is wildly underrated. And if you check out my Tier 2 Rhodes rants, um, NFL QB rankings, you'll find out how high I am, I am on Matt Ryan. I'm actually a big fan. And as always, disclaimer, if you choose to get vaccinated, awesome. If you choose not to get vaccinated, awesome. 
We believe that it is up to you. It's your choice. It's between you and your doctors. And there shouldn't be a lot of pom-pom waving, regardless of the direction you decide to go. Well, well, here we go. We knew this would happen. And it has. The Atlanta Falcons become the first team to be 100% vaccinated against COVID. Yeah, with that extra, oh my goodness. The Atlanta Falcons Monday uh, announced that all of their players are vaccinated against COVID-19. This is Fox News. Making them the first NFL team to reach the milestone. They're calling this a milestone. Okay. (laughs) The Falcons reached 92% vaccination status on July 23rd. And now every player on the roster is inoculated against the virus. And there, look, the NFL sent this out. This is literally official from the NFL official Twitter feed. The Atlanta Falcons become the first team with a 100% COVID-19 vaccination rate among players with a bunch of claps at Atlanta Falcons. Look at that. Somebody literally took the time to make this little logo and stuff to send this crap out. Quote, each player will now enjoy the benefits of being able to work out and eat together. (laughs) God, just saying that out loud sounds absurd. They won't have to test daily. They won't have to wear masks around the facility and won't have to quarantine following close contact with someone who tests positive. The team's website stated, but wait a minute. It's my understanding that theoretically... If you are vaccinated, you could still spread the virus to somebody else. That's what I have heard. And here we go with the official Atlanta Falcons Twitter feed. We have reached 100% COVID-19 vaccination rate. NFL players are not required to receive the COVID-19 vaccine, but teams could potentially forfeit a game due to an outbreak among unvaccinated players. According to a memo released earlier this summer, Except there's no way in hell they're going to forfeit a game. They're not. You're talking about losing. We're talking about stadiums with fans this year, okay? Which means massive amounts of revenue into the stadiums. They already took their hit last year, and they somehow, some way, came out of it still profitable. We know how. Um, and because of that, look, DeMore Smith, the... the uh, the head over the Players Association has come out and said, he called Goodell's bluff, and he said, there's no way we're forfeiting games. Not a chance. They're not going to lose that kind of money. The league is not going to lose that kind of money. The owners are not going to lose that kind of money. So, and he's right. He's right. Quote, as we learned last year, we can play a full season if we maintain a firm commitment to adhering to our health and safety protocols and to making needed adjustments in response to changing conditions. Commissioner Roger Goodell said in a memo obtained by the Associated Press, if a game can't be rescheduled and is canceled due to the COVID outbreak among non-vaccinated players on one of the competing teams, the team with the outbreak will forfeit and will deem to have played 16 games for the purposes of the draft, waiver period, priority, etc. The memo continued. Players on both teams will not be paid if the game cannot be made up. All 32 teams now are above 75% vaccination rates. 
28 or above 85, 25 or above 90, 15 or above 95%. As of Saturday, and, and that's what I just read. So, anyway, you get the point. Uh, so, good grief. I mean, it's crazy. The virtue signaling, and this is going to continue, every time a team hits 100%, the NFL and that team is going to send out the brave and courageous uh, photographic, <laughs> photoshopped virtue signal of the day brought to you by the NFL. Good God. It's just... <laughs> I mean, this stuff is almost comical at this point from the NFL and from these other leagues. Uh, we know there's a lot of high-profile fro- high players. One of the reasons you haven't seen a required mandate is because the fact is you'd have like four teams without starting quarterbacks. Starting quarterbacks, thinking about that, going into the season. Kirk Cousins, neither quarterback for the Patriots, Cam or Mac Jones, Sam Darnold, and uh, Lamar Jackson. You wouldn't have those starting quarterbacks. Man, how would you feel, New England, rolling out there again with Brian Hoyer? <laughs> Which is exactly what would happen. This is crazy. We knew, we knew coming into the NFL season that that the bug, the jab, would become a political statement from the league, from teams, and here we are. I don't know about you guys. I don't feel like taking my medical advice via the NFL, via Roger Goodell, via NFL players. Good Lord. There is one player in the league, I believe, that's a doctor. Um, he's a... Plays for the Kansas City Chiefs and actually set out last year to go help with COVID. Probably a pretty good guy, I would say. Um, so, I mean, you've got one outlier out of how many players? Eight <laughs> hundred. This is ridiculous. It is. It has gotten ridiculous. But we knew it was coming. We knew this would happen, and here we are. Brave and stunning and courageous. Again. Look, if you decide to get it, awesome. If you've gotten it, awesome. If you haven't, awesome. Uh, We just don't believe anybody should be treated any differently. And we also don't believe in all the extra rules and regulations put on people that have uh, chosen to not get it, particularly when you're talking about world-class elite athletes versus this thing. We know what we know what all the studies and everything say when you're in peak physical condition. Generally speaking, a lot of these guys don't even know they had it. It comes and goes and they go on with life. Don't quote me on that, YouTube. Tell me what you think, black and white live fans, the Atlanta Falcons. Jeez. Oh, Tom Brady just scored another touchdown. Peace, I'm out. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports.